Welcome to the seventh episode of 13 Ways to Lead with your host, the 13th Command Chief of the Air National Guard, Chief Master Sergeant Maurice Williams. Our featured guest today is Staff Sergeant Casey Heichel from the 101st Air Refueling Wing, Maine Air National Guard. I'm Master Sergeant Eric Gallion, and today we are talking about how to lead through decisiveness and follow-up. Be decisive and purpose-focused. Be action-oriented, make tough decisions, but also be compassionate, empathetic, and dialed in to the pulse of the organization. Follow up on suspense tasks in a timely manner and deliberate manner. Here's your host, Command Chief Williams. Hey, well, it's another great day and another great episode we're going to start off with. And uh, today I have one of the rock stars from from Maine, from the 101st Air Refueling Wing, Staff Sergeant Casey Heiko. And what I'll start off with, I'm going to give you an opportunity to go ahead and introduce yourself and tell a little bit about yourselves. Well, Chief, first off, thank you so much for having me. It's, it's an honor to be here. So a little bit about myself. I am Staff Sergeant Casey Heiko. I am from the 101st Air Refueling Wing in Bangor, Maine. I joined the Maine Air National Guard in 2016 as a dental technician. I had previously worked civilian side as a dental assistant, so it was nice that that skill set transferred over. I am still assigned to the medical group. Um, militarily, I am the NCOIC of the dental clinic. Uh, But Monday through Friday, I have a full-time job in the Inspector General's office. So I am the uh, self-assessment program manager for the wing. Uh, And for that role, I'm responsible for uh, providing accurate and timely data to wing command to help them assess risk to uh, wing readiness and mission execution. And then when I met you in 2021, I was the president of the Junior Enlisted Council. And the year prior to that, I was the secretary. So now that I have done my term on the executive committee, it's nice to take a step back and just be a participating member of the council. So those are my big three hats that I wear. Well, good, good, good. Well, um, you know, it's uh, definitely an honor for you to be here on the podcast with us today. And um, from my time of meeting you up there at the one of first doing a junior enlisted council meeting um, uh, based on our conversation and how you was leading uh, that particular council. We want to get you here to get share your perspective with other uh, NCOs and airmen uh, out in the field so we're just glad for you to be here. Thank you Chief. Chief why don't you go ahead and start by talking about the importance of decisiveness. When I talk about leading through being by being decisive and follow up that is being purpose driven and purpose focused. Being focused but at the same time uh, being compassionate and empathetic but to make uh, progress in the decision-making process. You know, a lot of people sometimes need a little push on the follow-up so we can help make a decision. But I think leading through decisiveness and follow-up, hey, stay focused, follow up on a decision so we can push the ball on down the field. I think based on your role in a junior enlisted council, what things that you have to do to stay focused. Could you elaborate on your personal experience 
as a junior enlisted council member in Stanford. Yeah, so I have I actually have a story to share with you first. Um, you talked about through decisiveness, it's important that we empower airmen to make decisions at their level. So um, it, in 2019, I had just started working in the inspector general's office and um, the wing commander would come down and have coffee. He would make, make a cup of coffee um, and he genuinely would ask, how's it going? Mm-hmm. And so one day I mentioned to him, sir, do we have any female chiefs? And <laughs> next thing I knew, um, I had been introduced to our state command chief at the time, and uh, she gave me the amazing opportunity to join her on a trip here to DC to the Enlisted Field Advisory Council meeting. And that was an experience I will absolutely never forget. So I remember going to the readiness center and there were all of these chiefs sitting at these tables and they were networking and collaborating to make decisions for the betterment of our enlisted force. And I remember seeing that and thinking to myself, someday I want a seat at that table. But the amazing part is, is that I haven't had to wait in my career to be a chief to make decisions to help the enlisted force. My local leadership team has empowered our junior enlisted council to make some of those decisions locally. So that's just a phenomenal feeling to do that as a uh, junior enlisted airman. Well, that's great. That's a great story, and I'm glad you shared that story because I like for our listening audience to take heed to that of the opportunities because one of the things I always say, hey, we got to see it to believe it. That's something that will generate that drive in us to know that it's possible. If you never see it, you don't know if it's really possible. That's something that you have in you you want to do, but when you can actually see it, and you see a representation of more than one individual that you like to strive to be. You're like, wow. Yes. You know, it is, it's out there for us to do. And maybe it shows you a dream that you didn't even know you had. That's correct, that's correct. Uh, one of the other things, you know, in part of this uh, leading through decisions and fall is the follow-up part. Do you, have an example of a time when you had to really push the ball real hard to get that follow-up and follow through on some decisions or initiatives? So the Junior Enlisted Council, we have committees. So if there's an event or initiative that we're trying to push forward, we'll, we'll assign it to the appropriate committee. And then There's a committee chair who will help push some of those decisions and um, assign them to other members so that the executive committee members aren't the only ones making decisions and and pushing things forward. So delegate some of that authority down um, and empower them to lead for that particular uh, event or initiative themselves. And we, we have so many great ideas. So... If we tried to do them all at the executive level, we would lose track. Mm -hmm. So to have uh, like a POC for each thing helped us 
be more successful in pushing things forward. Um, and, and then they share responsibilities within that committee and it's easier for a group of three or four people to stay connected on where they're at with a task than the 20 of us. And then every time we meet, we get updates on where they're at. And is there something that the council as a whole can, can help them with? Do they not have enough resources of something to, to accomplish what they need to? Okay. Now, um, I'm going to flip a little bit. In, in your personal life, is that something that um, you always had internally as an individual to follow up on things? Or was that built within um, your upbringing, within your family? Um, kind of elaborate on that in, in the personal side. Yeah, I think it's just a part of who I am um, and values. I want, I want to make sure that if I'm responsible for something that I successfully accomplish that um, and, and don't drop the ball on anything. Um, but I also think it's a, a huge part of my personality. I don't know if you've ever taken the, the four lenses. Yes, I have. So when I first came to the IG office, we took that and it was really enlightening um, because I learned a lot about myself, but it also gave me an opportunity to learn a lot about my teammates and how can we best interact with each other. And so I am a gold. So I think that, you know, I'm the personality type that wants to organize everything and have everything in its box. So yes, you know, following up and making sure that everything is as it should be is a huge part of who I am. Right. So that's a personality trait that who you are. So and you see you see that in a lot of individuals who are leaders. Um, that personality goes with them when they're leading because that's who they are in that in that manner. Now, within your AFSE, you're in the, you're in the medical back in the medical field uh, within your um, in your group, in the medical group. Have you been met with any challenges? Uh, because I know you've on the, on the drill weekends, or RSD weekends, it's very busy. And being able to follow up on items that are, um, I guess, uh, routine things because you're so busy doing the week as you're pushing, I mean, doing a, uh, RSD, pushing customers to, but the regular routine, is that a challenge for you in a way that you always have things structured, but you also got to be moving fast, get people processed through because you're so, that area is so customer service uh, oriented during the week. It, it is a very tricky balance. You don't want to keep an 06 waiting for their dental appointment because we're running behind. Every member needs to be given appropriate attention and care. And then we also have our civilian dental forms that they need to turn in routinely every mm -hmm. year. So we have a stack of those that get turned in throughout the month. We're just a DSG office. So there's nobody there full time to update as they come in. So we get a whole stack of those. Um, so it can be tricky to make sure that we're properly meeting and giving attention to our patients and then doing the administrative tasks as well. But then I also have two airmen that I supervise that I want to make sure 
their training records are squared away and um, they're getting the attention that they need. And then we also have some exciting opportunities to do things like IRTs. And then we had a really awesome opportunity where we have um, in Bath, Maine, they, they build ships. So the Navy has some ships down there and they were working on um, one of their destroyers. And when COVID hit, their medical readiness tanked. And they were having to go civilian side, but civilian offices were backed up. So they really couldn't get their medical readiness up to where it should be before this ship departed. So we had the opportunity to go and help them increase their medical readiness. and. Thankfully, we it was a success, and they had the highest medical readiness of a ship to ever leave Bath, Maine. Wow. So that was incredible. I'm very proud of that. But to successfully pull off something like that, it was something greater than my daily tasks. And there were some challenges along the way. We did not have a... We, we call it a nomad. So it's a portable x-ray machine. And that's one of the things that you need to take x-rays of members' teeth to make sure that on the surface it might look great, but through an x-ray we might see some underlying issues. So to have a full military exam, you want x-rays taken. We didn't own one of those machines, so we needed to borrow it from the Army. It was such a a short turnaround that we had like a handshake deal on it. And then it was like, oh, wait a minute. We haven't done the proper paperwork. And do we have, you know, our Air Force members have the proper training. And so there was a lot of moving pieces. But I had leadership that believed in this mission and wanted us to have that training opportunity and to help the Navy. Um, So with their support, we successfully got everything that we needed. Um, And it, it opened doors for us to prove that things like this, we can pull off. And in the future, we we hope to collaborate more with the Navy and and the uh, Army National Guard. I think following through with something when you continue to have challenging challenges, it can be discouraging, but continue to believe in what you're doing. Right. Makes it a lot easier. Um, and to have leadership and teammates that are right there alongside you, believing in it. Right. And you know, that swings to another part of what I talk about is uh, knowing the pulse of the organization. With the airmen that you lead right now, um, do you feel like you're pretty dialed in to um, what makes them tick and what keeps them energized and motivated within your particular work center? They're both very new, um, so I'm still getting to know them. They see how involved I am with a million different things on the wing. Um, and I just have such a drive and energy and I love my job. So I think bringing some of that energy to them gives them 
the energy to, to mirror it. And when you, when you have an opportunity to sit down and actually ask them, you know, what are your goals and aspirations and why did you choose dental? It helps you get to understand them better. And maybe money isn't a motivating factor. Maybe, yeah, so the more that you understand what motivates them, you can better tailor things to align with their goals. Right. And some of the things you said made me reflect back to one of my other principles about leading by example. Just like you said, hey, we got to show people what right look like. And one of my other areas is uh, leading by empowerment. And that's another thing that I reflect about on when you made those comments because hey showing your energy your inspiration hey and giving them an opportunity to have buy-in and what's going on i think that means a lot we're gonna switch hats here we're gonna come out of medical go back into the ig yeah office because see that affects the whole wing has there been anything that you focus on in that particular role in your position to have an effect on the entire wing. That is the amazing thing about being given the opportunity to work in the IG office. I started there as an A1C, and it was such a gift to be given this view that is so holistic of the wing, how all these different units work together for a bigger mission. In medical, we are very medical-oriented, right? So we we know our Mm -hmm. own mission we understand our own roles but i think sometimes we forget that we play a bigger part there's um, a reason why we have a medical mission and it's to support the wing mission Mm. and what is the wing mission and so i'm i'm the wing staff i'm the self-assessment program manager and i got the opportunity to work at the unit levels with all the different unit SAPMs and then help them evaluate risk and embrace the red. So a quick example would be your commander's driving the bus and he's not a subject matter expert of everything that goes on with the bus. As SMEs, it's important to report things that you know are risk areas. So if if you have a SME on your tires and he looks at them and like, wow, our tires are bald, he needs to embrace that red rather than pretending that they're okay and communicate that to the bus driver, the commander, and say, our tires are bald. Then that gives the commander the ability to assess that risk and, all right, maybe we don't drive in a rainstorm. Maybe we we drive slower. If there's something that they can't do, but it's a requirement, is it a requirement that has a waiver so that we can reduce some of that administrative burden on them? Or is it something that we can't waive and needs to be done, but we're not able to do it because we're short on resources, but the mission can still get done. We can still move forward. If we don't embrace the red, they're not aware of the actual status of wing readiness and mission execution. So now, if you was king for a day, what would you change in that program? I would just try to continue to embrace change not be afraid of it. And just because we've been doing it a certain way for 20 plus years, and 
it might be successful, but maybe there's a better way now. There is, yes. So process improvement. It's hard. It's not quite a natural part of our culture yet, but we're getting there. One of the things I talk about a lot uh, based on General C.Q. Brown is accelerating change. You know, he talk about the actions, orders that he has out there. And one of them, he got A, B, C, and D. One of them is D, and it's design implementation. We need to change the designs on how we do things. Yes. What work now may not be what we need to advance in the future. It's some it's a challenge with the culture. Yes. But we need to accelerate that. With the Junior Enlisted Council, y'all have more power than anyone on that base because it's more you. But you just gotta pull your resources together and get your platform and say, Hey, we need to make some changes throughout our organization and this will help it. And I think they're hungry for that. We Hey, time to eat then, yeah. time to eat. <laughs> <laughs> As they see those those uh, those incremental changes, the momentum will stay there and uh, continue to move the ball down the field. How much mentorship do the top three or chief counsel at your wing provide to your junior enlisted counsel? We're all airmen that are go-getters and are really involved in their units. So sometimes it was challenging for the unit level leadership to let go of those members for just an hour to go to meetings, especially on a drill weekend where, like you said, we all have so much that we're trying to do and get done. So the chiefs said, let your members go to the meeting. This is important. Support them on that. And it became easier for us uh, as the Junior Enlisted Council to get all of our members together for a meeting. And we also had a chief recommend to us that the Junior Enlisted Council meet in the DFAC and eat lunch together prior to our meeting. And it created a visual for other airmen um, and wing members to be like, wow, who is so special that they get an entire reserve table at the DFAC? I I want to sit at that reserve table. So, um, but they would see us collaborating together and and networking. So that sparked some interest in our council and helped us grow as well. Right. Well, you know, I see that across the 90 wings as I go around, uh, the challenges of uh, councils being able to come together and meet. And that's one thing I emphasize to CNCOs. Allow them that opportunity, at least one member per squadron, to come out and they take the information back if you can't have multiple individuals to attend uh, it's beneficial for them to continue to grow because they're going to be those senior NCOs who's going to take over for those other councils and they've already got the experience and got the background hey that's what we want that's what it's all about now one of the other things uh, the airmen that you supervise are they involved in the council they are not one of them just came back from basic training in tech school just getting her through the ropes mm-hmm. and the other airman just transferred from maintenance to dental so my first goal is to get them established in in the dental clinic and once they're comfortable with that bring them to a council meeting and the other thing that i like to do as well is encourage 
the council members where if they have an airman um, that has some time available, bring them to student flight because most likely they just came back from basic training in tech school and have them share their experiences. Mm -hmm. And that's just a quick way that they can tell their story and help the, the student flight members answer some of their concerns and um, you know what is what is basic training like during COVID times and will I have to do this and how do I do my hair and just simple things but having our new airmen be a part of that you know really empowers them and it also is a great way for them to kind of break the ice on public speaking. Well hey it's been great having you on the podcast uh, I look forward to seeing you again and thank you for coming up to the National Capital Region and uh, spending some time with us and share your perspective on leading by being deciphered and follow up. I really do appreciate it. Thank you so much, Chief. It's been an honor. Thank you, Chief Williams and Sergeant Heichel for taking the time to speak to us about leading through decisiveness and follow up. As leaders, we must be decisive and purpose focused, be action oriented, make tough decisions, but also be compassionate, empathetic, and dialed into the pulse of the organization. Follow up on suspense tasks in a timely and deliberate manner. Make sure to follow the Air National Guard on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And for more of Team 13, follow the director of the Air National Guard on Facebook. Join us again next month on 13 Ways to Lead, where we will be tackling the topic of leadership and accountability. From all of us here at the Air National Guard Podcast Network, have a great Air National Guard day. Team 13, out. 13 Ways to Lead is produced by Major Amber Schatz. Our editor and sound mixer is Master Sergeant Brandy Fowler. This episode was recorded at the Secretary of the Air Force Public Affairs Studio in the Pentagon. <laughs>